0: Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, holds it, looks, sets, throws, pass, caught by First down. It's on it the 20. 15.
1: Shoots a defender. 10. 5. Touchdown. Nebraska Juan Dale Robinson's first touchdown as a Cornhusker.
0: Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Nate War. Here we are back. Happy President's Day. Hopefully some of you got the day off. We're Ironmen here, though, at the Husker Sports Network. We especially, just keep churning them
2: out. Especially this time of year. Yes. man, you're working every weekend. I'm working every weekend. And
0: you were in Atlanta. I was yes, in Waco.
2: Spanning the globe. Yeah. Or at least the country.
0: Back and forth. Here's what we have coming up on the program tonight. Robin Washett. We've not talked to Robin in a while from Husker Online. He covers Husker Basketball. We'll get his take on where things stand. Where's it going? I think that's probably what's on a lot of Husker basketball fans' minds is where's it going? Because we kind of know what this season is. It's kind of the script's pretty much been written for what this group's going to do. But but looking ahead, what will 2021 look like for Nebraska basketball? Where's the recruiting headed? Uh, Robin will have all the particulars on that. We'll dive into that with him coming up here in a few minutes. Amy Williams will be in studio hour number two. It's our women's basketball show for the week. Matt Cotney and her will talk women's hoops. Boy, a heartbreaker for them yesterday, Nate. They had a five-point lead with three minutes to go against a really quality Northwestern team. You felt like, man, this might be the win that really kickstarts them here in the last kind of quarter section of their season and yet they couldn't close the deal.
2: A frustrating game for them and after the Penn State win on Thursday, you were hopeful that they could go up to Northwestern and and beat a good, not you know, nationally ranked opponent. Yeah. It w- it would have been a very nice win for Amy Williams' club to get. They led almost the entire second half but just could not close the deal and as a result Drop another game in the conference, and and what looked to be a pretty promising resume at one point, uh, now there now there's a pretty big hole there.
0: Yeah, there is. So we'll we'll get her take. She'll be in studio for hour number two. So get your comments, questions ready for her. Weekend rewind coming your way. At the uh, top of our number three, and as always, phone lines open and available for you at 866-HUSKER-1, 487 5371 We've not had a full-blown Sports Nightly since Wednesday. We had a an abbreviated show Thursday night, which we were able to sneak in about 35 minutes of our men's basketball show for the week with Fred Hoiberg and even um, J- Honey Cheatham joined that program for a few minutes. Friday night, we had the the opener for Husker Baseball in Waco, so no show on Friday. So there, there's been several things, Nate, that have popped as it relates to Husker football since we last chatted. Um, I'm going to start with the good news, and that was Christian Gaylord, the offensive lineman who tore up his knee last August. It was the first week of practice. He went down with a knee injury that required surgery that took away his fifth year of Husker football well he applied and received a sixth year of eligibility so he's going to be a part of Husker football and I know talking to coach Austin Nate that he was firmly on the two deep was I think considered to be the third tackle behind Hymas and Farniak and so you know you know you're going to have some injuries and you'd like to rotate some guys he would have played last fall for Nebraska so he gets a sixth year and Uh, By just looking at some of his social posts, he's really
2: excited about the fact that he's still complaining of your college football. He gets another chance to – perhaps push his way into the starting lineup. And even though everybody else is back on that offensive line, uh, the two deep from last year for the Iowa game, the only guy gone is John Raritan. So obviously you slot Gaylord into that two left tackle spot, and maybe he competes to start at one of the tackle spots next year. But I'm sure he's excited to have the opportunity or another opportunity to play, to push his way into the lineup. Because as you said, Greg Austin, has said he would have played. He would mm-hmm. have been a factor last year. Maybe he wouldn't have started, but he was a guy that that was right there with the starters. And, and so you think about that tackle battle this year. Even though Brendan Hymas has started his whole career, you know, even though Matt farniok has been a multiple year starter, you've got guys at both tackle spots, Gaylord and, and also Bryce Benhart, who could push those guys. And push them as far as a starting role. There's been a lot of conversation about Matt Farniok, maybe profiling as a guard, and that just creates more depth and, and more possibilities on that offensive line and just a deeper pool of talent. So good news and, and a nice addition to an, to a group that was already very deep.
0: It should be a really competitive spring mm-hmm. and August when, when sure. these guys get together. And if you have a couple of bad days of practice – Greg Austin can now say, oh, I'm rotating somebody else in there. Let's see if that shakes you, wakes you up, or motivates guys behind. It's going to be one of the more competitive spots on this football team, and I think that's a great sign for this program.
2: Without question. I mean, to, to be essentially two lines deep, it, it keeps heat on you. I mean, so often we'll hear on this show or we'll hear on Big Red Reaction, uh, somebody say, well, well, why don't they just pull them? If guy, guy's not playing very well, just pull them. Well, very often the answer is you don't pull him because the guy behind him is only half or two-thirds as talented. That's not the case with the offensive line, at least as things look right now. You've got two legitimate offensive lines, I think, uh, right now as things look before spring ball. You you have two sets of offensive linemen you feel pretty good about.
0: Brock Bando got some time last year. Mm -hmm. He's back. He's going to be pushing guys. Will Farniak was the backup center. You had those incoming freshmen. You mentioned Ben Hart, Anderson, Lynn, Banks. Those guys were all had a year to work out, lift, mm-hmm. get stronger, get bigger. They should be much closer to being ready to step on the field. So it should be a really competitive thing. So good news. Happy for Christian Gaylord. He certainly's had a rough six months. He got hurt in August and his his father was tragically killed in a car accident mm-hmm. uh, midway part or back in late September, uh, so he's had a lot to deal with. I'm I'm happy for that young man that finally got some some good news for him there. Okay, Friday, right about the time that we would have been going on the air for Sports Nightly, Darian Chase, the uh, wide receiver from the state of Washington, announced that he was putting his name in the transfer portal. He he put up uh, on social media this post. I'm just going to read this here. The past seven months at Nebraska have been amazing. The coaches and players all welcome me and they're like family, and I will forever be grateful, especially to Coach Frost, for believing in me from the start. I've lost a lot of family members, and I have struggled with mental health and depression for the past six or seven years now, and these events put me in a place I can never uh, f- fail to again fall to again. And it is the best decision for me and my family for me to transfer closer to home this decision has been the hardest I've ever had to make because it has nothing to do with the program or football. And this is true. There is truly no place like Nebraska. I'll always love GBR and all the love I've gotten just in the past year. With that being said, I will be entering the transfer portal. So um, we, I think sometimes we forget as fans, we forget as media that these are young people that are feeling their way through a lot of different situations. And I don't know all the background of what Darian Chase is going through. Um, And I just wish him nothing but the best. And I know the coaches liked him a lot, thought he was going to be a big part of the future here for Nebraska. And by the sentiments that he expressed there, Nate, it's not a reflection on the staff or anything here. It's more it's something he felt like he needed to do.
2: Well, certainly when – Your knee-jerk reaction when you hear a player is transferring, especially at a spot where a lot of guys were recruited, it was, well, he looked at the room, he saw it filling up with new guys, and he didn't like his chances of playing. That's obviously not the case here. Uh, This is a kid that that is taking into account his mental health situation and being away from home, being out on your own, doing all the things that are asked of of a football player at the University of Nebraska – That can only exacerbate underlying issues that may have always been there, but because, let's face it, high school's a whole lot easier than college. I mean, just inherently, as far as classes, as far as what you do athletically, you you can pretty much just show up and play. And you can pretty much just show up and be a student. In college, you got to work. And and a lot is asked of you. and, And if there were some things in your mental makeup that were structurally wrong already... And you've come halfway across the continent for the first time. You don't have that family support structure. All the things that are asked of you as a football player at the University of Nebraska—it it just what's already a wobbly structure starts wobbling all the more. And so you feel for this kid. You hope he can find the treatment that that apparently he needs. Maybe it's therapy. Maybe it, it, it's medical. Whatever it might be. He, he seeks it out with the help of his family. He's able to find the right course of treatment, and he's able to get on more stable mental ground because, uh, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, your life's pretty easy in high school. So when you get out to college, it's really exposed for you for the first time where you are. And, and clearly there were some things that, that Darian needed to work on or, or felt that he needed improved if he was going to be a successful person.
0: So that updates you on some Husker personnel news. Again, Gaylord gets the 6 year, is back. I know that that's good news to Greg Austin. And then the the tough news that you heard about Narian Chase leaving the Husker program, entering the transfer portal, it's uh, just, but again, as Nate just said, we wish him nothing but the best, that he can kind of find some peace in his life and we'll try to follow his progress as he moves along. Welcome back, Sports Hotty Monday night. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you had a good Valentine's weekend. A lot of you maybe had the day off today, with President's Day. We're here. Amy Williams coming up at the top of the hour, women's basketball show for the week. That'll be in hour number two. Right now, though, we're delighted to welcome on board the program, Robin Washit of HuskerOnline.com. Robin, we have laid out, we need a target score of 8.5 for you to end the interview. So you've got to you gotta hit that target score, just like the NBA All-Star game last night. Think, think you can handle that? What do you think of that thing last night?
3: It was fun. Uh, I think uh, they, they did, were one of the few leagues that actually succeeded in making their All-Star game uh, entertaining, competitive, and uh, were, kind of must-see TV. So uh, you know, hats off to the NBA for you know, doing some real uh, forward thinking to spice things up a little bit and really kind of revamp what was becoming a pretty stale game.
0: Yeah, you know, the first couple of quarters were kind of what it has been. It's like open gym night where guys are just coming and jacking shots. And then it turned into a really hard-fought game. It was a great idea. I, I wish they maybe had publicized that a little bit more. Uh, and maybe I just missed it, but I, I didn't really realize it was going to turn into that or I might have been more locked into it than I kind of was. I really was – I found out more of after it was over.
3: Yeah, yeah and you're resetting the score, I think, was really uh, maybe the, the most uh, – uh, beneficial thing to, to making that thing worth watching because, you know, it kept guys competitive and it kept it from getting lopsided. And the one complaint I had was that the game was allowed to end on free throws. Yeah. You know, if you're going to do some sort of walk-off <laughs> deal, it's, it's got to be a, a real bucket where a guy <laughs> goes and makes a play and you, you don't have some sort of like anticlimactic free throw to win the game.
0: He should have just missed the last one. But, you know, yeah, a I mean, if he, was a real, so. if he was a real competitor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, hey, uh, I know a lot of people are just kind of counting down the games left for this Husker basketball season, which we, I think we all knew was going to be a trying one, a, a foundational year for Fred Hoiberg and this team, and such a tough injury for Mate Kavas on on Saturday against Wisconsin that's going to end his Husker career. Uh, he He never really got to – the kind of three-point shooter we thought we were getting, did he? I mean, everybody thought he thought he was going to be kind of this dead-eye guy to come in and shoot, and he just never really found that rhythm throughout the year.
3: Yeah, he was fighting it all year. I mean, this is a guy that I mean, the, the reason he was recruited was to come in here and open up the spacing of the floor and be um, their most uh, prolific three-point shooter on the team. And uh, for whatever reason, you know, the, the – The shots didn't fall early, and I think that that kind of got him frustrated a little bit. And um, you know, as uh, those shooting struggles continued, you know, the coaching staff eventually found themselves in a situation where you know if he's not making threes, it was hard to play him. Uh, And so you saw him. I think there was a stretch of three games where he was a you know a healthy scratch from the lineup just because um, you know that that shooting um, cold streak uh, was carrying over to the rest of his game. And so. to his credit you know over the last few games he was coming off the bench and you know he's providing some some valuable minutes uh, you know scoring and uh, being able to give a, a breather for those guys on a bench that uh, has gotten pretty thin over the course of the season but um, you know after about a minute and thirteen seconds um, of that last time out you could see he's he was shooting and he hit his hand and immediately went to the bench and uh, it was kind of all over from there um, and you know I don't know exactly what the injury is, but it's, it's a ligament deal in his left hand. So it's not going to be anything long-term with him, but it's going to be long enough that uh, he will be out the rest of the season. And um, I'm sure he'll go find uh, a long, lengthy uh, career uh, overseas. But you know, as far as his Nebraska season is concerned, it was certainly a disappointment.
0: Speaking of coming off the bench, that that's where Gervais Green has found himself over the last month plus. I know he did start Saturday against Wisconsin. What do you think his future is with this program? And I mean, that, that may be a little bit of a loaded question because in, in this day and age of college basketball, we have seen mm-hmm. see so many guys leaving programs and coming and going. Um, do you have a, a sense of what what lies ahead for Gervais?
3: I think a lot of it depends on what he's willing to accept as far as his role goes um you know obviously he has found a way to um you know be a, a valuable asset to this team coming off the bench and to his credit you know with how much of a roller coaster this season has been for him uh for him to stick with it and keep a, a relatively positive attitude about it and be able to get to this point is a real credit to, to him and um you know his, his character in a lot of ways but you look ahead to next year. You know they're pretty backloaded on six four to six six guards, and they're bringing in another guy in Teddy Allen, who um, is going to be put in position to shoot the ball and shoot the ball a lot. Uh, and so, you know, is Gervais content with you know more than likely uh, being a bench guy again next year? Maybe one of those first guys um, in the rotation, but. Probably not a starter, just given uh, the, the the lineup that they have projected next year with Teddy Allen, with the three sit sit-out guys, um, you know Cam Mack and, and and so forth. So it's really going to depend on you know what what Gervais wants. I mean, if he's content with continuing to stick it out in Lincoln and being a, a valuable you know first you know one of the first guys off the bench in the rotation, um, you know Nebraska is going to love it. But you know he he came to Nebraska to be the guy. I mean, he was recruited by Tim Miles. To be the next in line and then in the vein of you know uh, james palmer or tram Petaway, you know one of those guys that was going to average a lot of points and um you'll know, get to get a lot of opportunities to be the the lead dog so we'll see what happens i mean you know obviously things got pretty rough for him um uh, you know, back in december uh to where there was some real speculation if he if he was even going to make it past the semester um, but he was able to stick it out this far. And as long as he's you know, willing to continue to put forth um, you know, the effort and you know, have the right mentality about him, I think he can have success here. But it just depends on you know, ultimately uh, what his ideal picture of that final year of college basketball uh, is, is kind of what he wants it to be and if it's going to be something that he can get here in Nebraska.
0: Robin Washett is with us from Husker Online, talking Husker basketball, the big red back in action on Thursday at home against Michigan State. let's are they, are they still actively looking at 2020 signees in your eyes, or have they shifted most of the focus to the next class?
3: They are absolutely still looking at 2020 because right now um, they still have a spot to fill because uh, Charlie Easley's scholarship only runs through the semester. So as soon as, uh, the spring semester comes to a close. They're going to have um, an open spot still to fill. So, uh, and that's not even counting any further attrition that will likely happen um, with guys that are currently on scholarship right now. Uh, I mean, it's just kind of the name of the game, and especially with a team that was thrown together the way this squad was. You know, there's, there's going to be some more things that that need to shake out before uh, you know this this roster is really what. Fred Hoiberg ideally wants it to be. So um, that's probably gonna open up at least another spot and probably more. Uh, So you're looking at, you know, at least two more scholarships to fill for 2020. And so they've already had, um, you know, a kid by the name of Carter Witt, who he's an interesting kid because he's a four star top 60 player, but right now he's still a member of the 2021 class, but um, academically he is able to move up to 2020 if he wants to. and He's already taken four official visits um, that you know for, for this recruiting cycle that leads you to believe and I think the assumption um, everywhere is that he will eventually move up to 2020 so Nebraska is recruiting him to be a 2020 recruit uh, like I said he was here um, over the the weekend of the Penn State game uh, and on that visit uh, from what I've been told uh, went very very well um, and so that's kind of probably right up there at the top of the board of 2020 recruits that they're looking at and you know with this staff there will always be transfers Um, they always want to have at least one but ideally two sit out guys in every single class and so that will probably be where they look for you know at least some of those spots um there's another guy by the name of uh, Adama Sinogo who is also a 2021 recruit he's a 6'9 250 pound center but Um, The speculation, as with Carter Witt, is that Adama will eventually move up to 2020. And so um, Matt Abdelmasi and Fred Hoiberg were just out in New York uh, this past weekend uh, to watch him play in a a big-time game out there. Uh, And they're kind of just trying to get the the logistics lined up to bring him on an official visit uh, relatively soon. So um, they're full force still recruiting for 2020. And those are probably two of the guys that are right at the top of their priority list. But like I said, as the season winds down and that transfer market opens up, that's when I think you'll see Nebraska continue to get a- uh, active, uh, especially when more spots open up with more attrition. Do
0: you believe that the door is, is closed on Donovan Williams?
3: Yeah, I do. I mean, yeah. I, I think that ship sailed a long time ago. It's just one of those things that just wasn't meant to be. Um, you know, Donovan wanted things from Nebraska. and Nebraska wanted things from, uh, you know, Donovan that just, you know, wasn't going to work out. So uh, Donovan's going to go on and enjoy a high major basketball uh, scholarship somewhere, but it's not going to be at Nebraska. And, you know, Nebraska, it's unfortunate because, you know, he's one of the highest rated Lincoln prospects ever. But, uh, you know, they also got a former in-state kid by the name of Teddy Allen. They feel really good about that. This is pretty much the exact same role that Donovan would have filled. So, you know, it's it's unfortunate, but the, the timing was just never right there.
0: Yeah. All right, well, I think we hit our target score. You, you did it on your first attempt. That's pretty good.
3: <laughs> you know, I, I tried my best, and I just was inspired by uh, that All-Star game. I'm going <laughs> to model the rest of my interviews off that going forward.
0: Uh, great stuff. Robin, uh, we appreciate it. Thank you so much.
3: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.
0: There he is, Robin Washington of Husker Online, doing this on our Sports Only hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. Tonight it's the Nebraska Women's Basketball Show
1: right here on the Husker Sports Network. Our top Brown has comes off a screen by Mitchell. Leah Brown drives, lost the ball, gets it back in the corner, leans in, short corner jumper. Are you kidding me? She made something out of nothing. That might be the biggest play of the game for a while.
0: Our weekly look inside Husker Women's Basketball. Close
1: left side, Leah Brown. Look, out top Whitey's deep three. You. You. Wow, did the Huskers need that?
0: With the head coach, Amy Williams.
1: deep three for Hamilton. Late shot clock, not good. Kate Keener, 11th rebound. Huskers, two point lead of the ball. White is your head. Sam Heidi, left wing. She'll take a three. Yeah! Betcha, Hybe with a huge three to give Nebraska a five-point lead. Nuggets.
0: Now here's your host Matt Cotney.
1: Oh welcome to the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Hour yet again as we are deep into the month of February now. The meat grinder, the Big Ten season is taking us all over and uh, Amy Williams is here with us. 866-HUSKER-1 is the number. 866-487-5371. We'd love to Talk to you and visit Husker Women's Basketball. We'll have the coach here for the full hour. And, Amy, it's two weird national days today. I think everybody knows it's President's Day. But one of the uh, weird holidays that's separate from President's Day is it's National Random Acts of Kindness Day. Okay. So I'd like to start the show off by thanking you for being so wonderful to me through these last four years. You're so easy to work with, especially... Uh, coming in for the Coaches Show tonight after a tough loss on the road and having a great staff and an awesome family. And I'm the luckiest radio guy in the country, so thank
4: you. Oh, what a nice, uh, awesome, uh, random act of kindness. I appreciate that, Matt. Uh yeah. Tough uh s- tough stretch for our team right now. It's really tough to to um but everything's made easier with you and Jeff and just um you guys make things uh smooth and um much more enjoyable to come in here and tonight.
1: It's good that there was a second weird national holiday, because otherwise we'd be talking about National Cabbage Day right now, because I don't really know where you stand on cabbage. Based on that face, I'm going to say you're not a big fan.
4: Yeah, cabbage, it's not like something I just crave or anything. Um,
1: People are either, there's no in between. You're either pro-cabbage or you're anti-cabbage, I would say. Probably you're, you're probably on the other end of it. I'm kind of on the other end of it. Yeah.
4: My uh, mother-in-law has lots and lots of allergies, so she eats cabbage like it's going out of exactly. style, wow. but um, not not one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, Well, so so we got to talk about something good at the start of the show. It's <laughs> National Cabbage Day for <laughs> yeah. you. All right. Uh, Huskers coming off a tough, tough loss yesterday at Northwestern, 60-56. to 56. Your record now is sixteen 16-10, 6-9 uh, six in Big Ten games overall after they came. Nine-point lead in the third quarter and. Uh, you had the lead 56-51 with under three minutes left and uh, didn't score in the final three minutes as Northwestern closed on a 9 nothing run. I, I think, you know, from my perspective, what was so frustrating was uh, the team had so many chances to score in those final three minutes. It was, you know, when you say, well, Northwestern's a great defensive team, and they are. I'm not taking anything away from Northwestern. But, you know, Sam Hybe had a great look, I thought, in the corner. Kay Kane had a good look. And and, and it wasn't that you guys didn't didn't weren't put in position, in. that had to be frustrating for you.
4: Yeah, it's a little disappointing and frustrating. And I think just um, uh, we had some great opportunities. I just think sometimes, you know, we've we've played in a lot of those really close games, a couple of overtime losses in Big Ten play um, so far, and and just some uh, really close losses where you know I think. Um, You're hopeful that at this point that, um, you know, just down the stretch that your players are not freezing up and kind of thinking, okay, yeah, you know, I I can, I can make a big play right here. I can step up and make the big play right here. And that's, that's where we're at and that's what we want to be able to push through.
1: 866 Husker one is the number. That's the sports nightly hotline. It's brought to you by Woodhouse Auto Family bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. We'll have Coach Williams here for the full hour tonight, here an Hour 2 of Sports Nightly. So let's, let's start with the positives from yesterday's game. Kate Kane arguably uh, had her best defensive game of the season in terms as a one-on-one defender, I thought, in the low post. Overall, what a great stat line. 12 points, 12 rebounds, 7 block shots, a career-high 4 steals, but I, I just want to ask you about her one-on-one post defense. Primarily, she was matched up with Abby Wolf, who is, man, when you think of you know stereotypical Big Ten center, man, Abby Wolf is right out of central casting a very, very good polished inside player. How did you feel about Kate's defensive game yesterday? I thought
4: it was really incredible the way that Kate played defensively that whole entire game, and and you know we're talking you know Northwestern is. Twelfth-ranked RPI team in the country, and and um, uh, a team that Abby Wolf is one of the most improved players in in the league, and um, has really been a huge piece to Northwestern's rise towards the top of the league. And um, I thought really, Kate. Um, just had her pretty frustrated. They were um, kind of going outside of what Northwestern normally does and pulling her to the bench and, and trying some different avenues, trying to pull different kids to pull Kate Kane away from the basket and away from the rim. And I thought that was a credit to the way she was playing defensively.
1: Jeff Gree had put together some numbers. But essentially, over the last series of games, she's been getting about double the amount of stops she had in maybe the first 15 games. Uh, of the season and you know four steals for a center is a is a really big number seven block shots 12 rebounds and you had said on our post game show yesterday it was tough to take her off the floor and you know her first two two years of the career was tough to keep her on the floor you've you've, kind of the opposite is isn't it
4: yeah, I think that, you know, early in her career, she, you know, struggled with foul trouble. And so we were always having to kind of, you know, pull her off and try to save her fouls so that she wasn't, you know, putting herself into foul trouble. And I think she's she's learned how to kind of correct that. And I think, um, you know, starting to be able to block shots and people know she can block shots without fouling. And they're, um, and so she's, she's done a better job with that and being able to keep herself on the floor. And a lot of credit goes to Kate because... Uh, she's worked very hard this whole off-season to put her body in a position to where she can move a little better laterally. She's she's just more mobile. She's able to um, – Uh, to be able to sustain longer minutes without having to kind of um, bail people out with fouls. And and, um, just a a credit to her um, that she's at this point in the season able to sustain longer minutes um, with that level of defensive um, capabilities.
1: It would seem to me that there's a lot involved with that. First, the the number one thing that I've noticed when the season started is, is her body tends to to look more like a grown woman's body than maybe a 13th grader, which everybody looks like when they're in their freshman year. Two, it seems like she's more comfortable in what she can do physically because early in the season I saw her diving after loose balls. When you're 6'5 and diving after loose balls, you feel pretty comfortable in what you're able to do. And then there's an element of more confidence. And I think clearly fans have said this to me. It's pretty easy to see that, uh, she plays a lot more – I, I the, the phrase I would use is free and easy. So it, it's not just been one specific thing that's kind of helped her get to be better at getting defensive stops for you, is it?
4: Correct. I mean, it's a combination of a lot of different things. And, um, uh, you know, I just think all of the hard work that she's put in to kind of commit to conditioning and to getting um, more mobile and just um, the timing she's worked on, and, and it's just um, – aided in the confidence and that confidence kind of, um, she sees results. I think her teammates are really excited for her with, you know, the defensive presence that she brings, because obviously it makes their life a lot easier. Yeah, and, yeah. um, so she's, she's, um, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it, but certainly a lot of credit is due to Kate.
1: This is the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Hour. Matt Coatney and Amy Williams with you. 866 husker one Five three seven one. 3 7 one if you'd like to talk to Coach Williams here tonight. I've got to bring up the play with just uh, under a minute left in the game. Uh, the game is tight. It's 56, and, and you call a timeout, and you've got a sidelines-out-of-bounds play. And you run the play, and then Leah Brown ends up just to the right side of the top of the key. And I thought she threw an amazing pass. I don't know how Kate Kane got that open. If Northwestern lost track of her, uh, if the action that you guys had – was in a position to do that, and then we were a little confused on the broadcast because Kate, all she had to do was basically square up and bank it in at 6'5", but she turned and tried to throw to Ashton Verbeek, who was opposite on the right block, and it got picked off by Veronica Burton, kind of slipped in and got in the way of it. What what happened on that play?
4: Yeah, I'm not 100% sure, but I think that, um, you know, if you watch the replay of the film, um, you know, for a half of a second when Kate first catches Ashton looks and appears kind of wide open on that right block and then Veronica Burton is able to close space very quickly Um, but I think you know maybe Kate was a little bit surprised at how open she was and not expecting to be that open on the block. Um, maybe she wasn't really thinking score in that situation. Um, you know, it's something we want all of our kids to really be comfortable and confident thinking, I am the option on every play. Although um, the play that we called on that sideline inbounds play. Um, you know, Leah was an option. Mm-hmm. There was an option for a ball screen action with Ashton that was coming. There was an option for Kate Kane on that low block. I mean, there's, um, you know, and and we, we need all five players all the time to be thinking this play is for me. And um, that mindset down the stretch and really thinking kind of I want to be with the ball in my hands. And I think um, just unfortunately in that one moment, I think Kate just probably was a little surprised at how open she found herself down the stretch. And um, just to her, um, I guess um, credit maybe you know Ashton f- was flashing to that right block, and she looked open for a half a second until Veronica Burton kind of closed that space real quickly. But um, but yeah, it was it's a tough play because um, I thought overall Kate Kane played probably her most complete and best ball game. Um, just on both sides of the floor that, you know, we'd seen for quite a while, just really dominating, I thought, on the defensive end of the floor and really producing um, when we went to her on the low block. And, and, um, you know, so just uh, too bad that that one play happened, you know, late game game to um, kind of mar things.
1: You know, you and I talked in our pregame interview yesterday about defense. And I know from a coach's perspective, you know, when I start talking about point totals, your team's given up lately, that doesn't necessarily always jive with individual plays defensively. Um, Indiana only got 57 in um, the game here at Pinnacle Bank Arena. You held Penn State to 58 in the win over Penn State yesterday. You held Northwestern only 28.8% shooting for the game, and and you held them to 60. So that's 57, 58, 60 points in three straight conference games. And while I'm sure you're, you're disappointed in specific possessions, uh, overall holding three big ten opponents to between 57 and 60 points gotta make you feel pretty good
4: yeah I mean I think we're we're starting to um, learn how to play a little bit better together defensively and and um, we're 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 doing enough that we should be able to you know on the defensive side of the ball that we should be able to secure um, wins I mean we feel like you know that we've done done enough with 57 58 60 points yeah. um you know, And and now we just need to find a way to you know continue to make baskets down the stretch and stay confident and continue to score the same looks that we're getting throughout the game.
1: You were talking about Veronica Burton kind of appeared and made a good defensive play on, on, on the play I brought up with Kate Kane and Ashton Verbeek. So I want to talk about turnovers. Um, going into the game, Northwestern was 12th nationally and second in the Big Ten in turnover margin. Uh, yesterday, they won the turnover margin 15-7, to and Nebraska got out, scored 21-9 off those turnovers. Just six turnovers in the first half, but nine in the second half, and uh, I, that, that kind of had something to do with only getting 23 second half points for your team. I know Joe McEwen is known for his matchup zone. They call it the blizzard. Uh, what I really thought bothered your team yesterday were passes against the zone. It seemed like Northwestern got several steals on passes that against teams that didn't that, that aren't that pressured offensively were what I would say medium percentage passes. They'll probably get completed. But if you, if you throw a medium percentage pass against Northwestern that's coming in three-quarter speed, it's going the other way. Do you kind of feel that way? Uh, agreed, yeah. yes,
4: agreed. And they're very, very good with active hands and handsy. And when I went back and watched the film a couple times, I think – um, the more I watched is that, you know, at first, you know, it looks like and it appears like, you know, and it is, you know, point guards or or guards kind of holding the ball above our head and telegraphing passes and then throwing right into the hands yeah. of defender. And there were a couple times where, you know, we threw it into their hands and fortunately it came back to us and we were able to retain the possession, you know, but which is something that, you know, we worked hard on is using pass fakes, trying to be deceptive with um, the basketball and. And, you know, I think in the games that um, just kind of catches up to you. But I think um, the one thing I noticed watching back to the film is that a lot of times our guards were having to wait too long for the cuts and the flashes that they needed to be open. And, And sometimes, you know, when we really needed someone to be here so that we could pick fake a pass and then get it right there. We were waiting two seconds, three seconds for the cuts to actually get there. and then by that time, the defense is really reading and and our point guards are in a little duress and and stress situation. So um, something that we can improve on is just the timing and and the pace with what we're 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 executing offensively.
1: From an offensive standpoint, Leah Brown continues to lead your team in scoring 14 yesterday against Northwestern. I said to you uh, after the Penn State game, she had a quiet 20 points to lead the team. How did you feel about her play this week in particular?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think she continues to do what she can to really try to spark us. I mean, she's dangerous because she's a three-level scorer. I mean, she can score from behind the arc. She's dangerous from there. She has an an incredible elevation on her mid-range game. But uh, I think the one thing she's found is just a really good alley to uh, get to the basket, get to the paint, get herself to the free throw line, um, find ways to produce points for our team. And and I think this week um, was really no different for her.